Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabarish, your host, and uh, I'm coming from the Voice of Charity studios here. And so welcome to everyone watching and listening uh, around the world. Uh, you know you can be listening, those in Sydney, on 1701 AM. And of course, uh, those around the world, you are either listening to this via the podcast uh, platforms on our website at perusiamedia.com or Facebook, uh, as well as uh, YouTube and uh, the many other platforms that they're on. Uh, you can uh, comment, you're free to, to comment, ask questions in the chat, uh, especially on the Facebook uh, feed at the moment. But uh, any, any question you do have, you can uh, send us an email at perusiamedia.com uh, to the contact us and we'll be able to respond. My guest this morning, um, all the way at the moment in the United States, uh, as I understand, or is he in Canada, sorry, uh, on Pacific time, but uh, Daniel Whitehead, who is uh, now running or, or at the moment uh, directing Sanctuary Health Ministries or Mental Health Ministries. It's a uh, very interesting apostolate that is aimed at helping people suffer with mental illness, helping them uh, overcome that or, or, or with that, uh, but in a spiritual context, which is something that's been needed for many years, in my opinion. Um, do we realize that one in four people are suffering from mental health out there? Um, there could be those sitting next to us at church um, we don't even realize. So let, we're very excited because at Perusia we've just uh, partnered with Sanctuary Mental Health and um, we've launched a, a course uh, for Catholics. It's on the Perusia On Demand platform right now and I encourage you to look at that. We're going to talk about all of that today. So let's welcome Daniel Whitehead. Hello Daniel, how are you doing? It's so Bell and doing very well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Um, I mean congratulations on, on just the great work with the course by the way. I'm, I've been uh, looking through that and very impressed with the quality um, uh, and the impact that it has. Mm. Oh, well, thank you for saying that. It was, uh, you know, it takes a lot of work to create a resource like that from uh, the concept all the way through production to post-production and bringing a lot of very talented people together from around the world. So uh, it was a lot of work, but we're thrilled with the results and we're already getting some great feedback. So delighted that you're uh your the patrons in australia will be benefiting from it as well yeah praise god um let's talk about uh maybe just what you do sanctuary um um health ministries or is it mental health um ministry yes. uh let's talk about what what is that and what do you aim at doing with that work yeah so uh, sanctuary mental health ministries is a canadian-based uh charity it was founded in vancouver canada I'm originally from England, so uh, I There's have a accent. strange accent, <laughs> but it's not a Canadian accent. Um, uh, but I now live in Vancouver, and um, we actually do now have an office in London, England as well. And we create resources that help uh, the church, and, and we have a very broad definition of church. We work across denominations, but we help uh, churches around the world to facilitate really good, healthy conversations that integrate uh, theology and faith with psychology and lived experience how do we bring these different perspectives together because when we do that we believe we find a new and more helpful way of holding this subject which just allows communities of faith to become even more supportive and more understanding places for people in the midst of crisis yeah well fantastic uh, how long has it been operating now what are we at? how many years now yeah, so Sanctuary is a, a 10-year-old nonprofit, okay. um, but for the first seven years, we were very much a, a local uh, regional ministry in Vancouver, Canada. And it's only in the last uh, two or three years that we've 
branched out to become more of an international focus um, with the sanctuary course. And, and obviously the sanctuary course, the Catholics, is the resource that uh, we're referring to that's now on Parisia Media. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I, can we touch on, I guess, the importance of this work? Uh, many, uh, many priests and leaders, church leaders, probably are not uh, really equipped in this uh, day and age, and we need to be more uh, in this space of mental health. Uh, uh, we, we do have, and, and being uh, Christians and, and Catholics around, uh, this battle between what is uh, a spiritual sort of need and what is a mental or, um, uh, diagnosed problem. And what are the stats? I mean, can you tell? It's quite alarming, uh, but there are more people suffering from mental illness than we realize. Uh, what, what are the, can you give us a bit of a background or, and, or bring us up to date to where are we at at the moment in, the, in, our, in our world with mental illness? Yeah, so it, depending on which study you refer to, it's, it's generally regarded as somewhere between one in five or one in four people in any given year will experience a mental health crisis. Um, in truth, though, it, it's thought by many people that the stats are probably greater than that because wow. that's only acknowledging people who understand or know or are ready to admit that they're experiencing challenges. So um, many people would speculate it's more like one in three. And then you throw in a global pandemic and it's mm. probably even more than that. So um, the, the, the statistics are startling. And, and one thing the statistics show us is that this is irrespective of faith allegiance or not. Um, the statistics are, are just as um, applicable in the church as outside of the church. So um, very often, you know, faith communities, well-meaning faith communities can believe that somehow faith creates this protective barrier that prevents people from experiencing mental health crisis. And actually, uh, the opposite is true. And sometimes what that implicit feeling can do is it can cause people of faith to push it down and hold mm -hmm. it and not talk about it which only compounds people's experiences so um really our work is about bringing those having those conversations in a really healthy way that brings the whole faith community together to have a conversation that allows people to process their experiences and to invite god the faith into those experiences because um you know if if we believe anything as people of faith is that god is with us in in the difficult Amen. times uh, as well as the good ones certainly is a help isn't it our faith um when you when you when you can work together both with professionals in the psychological world but uh, and our faith leaders if we can if we can work through this in our church context it does make a big difference doesn't it it certainly does and yeah. i think that's it's a really critical piece is yeah. for churches to understand that they have a key role to play yes. in someone's recovery it isn't just up to doctors to do their job though we need doctors to do their jobs it's also the role of the spiritual community to foster faith to pray to support to be mm. that uh, to be those good spiritual friends to each other that's a very important part i would say just as important as the role of doctors which is also Fantastic. important can i ask just yourself personally are you the founder of sanctuary mental health ministries or were you there at the very early years yeah no i i actually took over um uh, five years ago from okay. uh, the founding director who's uh, Reverend Dr. Sharon Smith, who's right. actually now a mainline Anglican priest, funny enough. Okay. She wasn't when she started. But um, her role is interesting because when you look at her vocation, she was a, um, an occupational therapist for 20 years. Then she was an academic. She, studied, she did a PhD. Uh, then she did theology degrees and got ordained in, in the Anglican church. And, and also uh, about 15 years ago, her husband died by suicide. 
So Sharon really brought together this academic um, church clinical lived experience, this very real experience of having been through a very difficult um, and painful experience with mental health. And it's, it's in bringing all of those different angles together that has defined how Sanctuary approaches this subject. It's about drawing from our faith and drawing from clinical work and drawing from lived experience and drawing from theology and bringing it together and finding a new way to talk about it. Yeah, wow. No, well, no, thank God um, that it has been created and, 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 and uh, established because there's a lot of people out there suffering um, more than we realize yeah. in our own churches. Uh, the, the course, can you tell us about uh, then your involvement um, uh, as you came on? Was the course uh, uh, one of the first things, uh, one of the major projects there? Because um, it started off uh, not in a, not for Catholics, it was, a, it was a general course to begin with um, for all Christians. Yes. Can you tell us about, I guess, the a timeline there of, of how the course came about? Yeah, so when I came into my role in 2016, I was the new director of Sanctuary Mental Health Ministries. My instinct told me that what was really lacking um, was a course, a resource, something that anyone anywhere could pick up and use that would help to integrate faith and mental health. I just saw there was this gap in the market. So it was an idea in 2016. And in 2017, we said, let's do it. And in 2018, we launched. And by January 2019, I put our ecumenical resource, uh, the Sanctuary course, in the hands of um, some prominent Catholics in North America, um, people involved with a platform called Formed. Yes, good um, friends of ours. At the, yeah, <laughs> at the Augustine Institute in Denver. And uh, they really liked the ecumenical version and said we'd like to use it. And, and I said, well, before you do, I think there might be some merit in us creating a more Catholic-specific version because... As an ecumenical organization, we understand that faith and the context of our faith is really important to us. And we don't want to get let any barriers get in the way mm. of Catholics engaging in this subject. So could we explore together about creating something more specific? And they were thrilled. So it began a, a, like an 18 month journey of working with them, working with uh, Divine Mercy University in Sterling, Virginia, on the east coast of America working with the Archbishop of Vancouver and the, Arch, uh, the Archbishop Michael Miller and the Archbishop of Denver, Archbishop Samuel Aquila, who both feature in the course and um, have been very supportive of it. So we really brought together these different institutions, different theologians, different priests uh, and bishops to, to create uh, a very Catholic feeling version of our ecumenical resource. Yeah, that was a great idea um, and great, great suggestion because uh, looking at the finished product, it is it is very uh, very well done. Uh, let's let's talk about this course. Um, so what how um, what's it, can we do the breakdown? What what can people expect when they see this course? There's videos. There's even uh, workbooks with it. Um, uh, can you tell us about how this course looks like? Yeah. So it's uh, it's eight sessions. Uh, the course is designed with everyone in mind. It's okay. it's not it's not designed for people who are aware they're experiencing mental health challenges though those people can use it. It's designed for the whole church to have a safe conversation. And if you can facilitate a small group or a Bible study or a study, you can facilitate this course. You don't need to be a mental health expert because we lay the path very clearly for people. Um, so it's eight sessions and it looks at subjects like um, one session looks at mental illness, one looks at mental health and talks about the difference between those two. Um, it looks at uh, self-care, it looks at uh, the recovery journey, it looks at companionship, it looks at the role of community, 
uh, it looks at stigma, which is a really important subject. And, and it's basically all of Sanctuary's work in the first seven years of our existence. We worked with all kinds of different parishes and churches, Catholic and across the spectrum. And we worked out what do churches really need help with. And so we distilled and boiled down our message and we've turned that into this eight session course. So each session looks at a different subject uh, along the lines that I've um, described. And, and each session looks at each subject from three perspectives. Okay. It looks at it from a theological perspective. It looks at it from a clinical perspective and it looks at it from a social perspective. And, and every session features a film, which is approximately 20 minutes long, which focuses on a, a, a particular person, a particular Catholic's lived experience. And uh, we filmed those films from America to Britain, to mm. Canada, and everywhere in between, just focusing on people's different experiences as Catholics who lived with diagnosed mental illnesses. So um, it tells their stories and then draws from experts from again across Britain and North America, um, sharing their insights onto onto the subjects as wow. well. Fantastic! And, and is there a so anyone can can access this course? Um, just simply, is it designed for a one-on-one -on -one scenario or in a group study? Can we talk about that? Uh, how how it can be applied? Uh, how do people, um, I guess, interact with this course? Yeah, it can be applied in a range of ways. Um, but we designed it with small groups in mind. Okay. It was always our vision and our hope that small groups of people, study groups, parish groups, parish studies, would pick it up and use it in that context. So it's, it's really been designed with a community in mind. But of course, inevitably, yeah, a couple of friends will go through it together. Um, yeah, it can be used in a range of different ways. And it, it's flexible enough to be used in that way. But our hope is that it will be picked up and used in small groups and parishes and communities like that. Yeah, brilliant. So there is a leader's guide and a student book. Is that right? Is it uh, so someone can facilitate the, the discussion? Yeah, that's right. So the, the workbook, which, again, I believe you can book purchase yes. from Perusia Media, um, features a, a leader's guide in the front as well. So if you buy that workbook, it will give you everything you need to to facilitate a course. Yeah, um, and, and I can't emphasize enough. People are often scared of this subject. They mm. often say, what do I know about mental health? How do I talk about this? And the course is designed to facilitate safe conversations. Yes. So the course will guide you. You just have to come with an open heart and a desire to create a supportive and encouraging environment for your group. Um, the course will help you do the rest. Oh, absolutely. Now, it was uh, originally only available on forms in the Catholic, for the Catholic uh, um, audience. Uh, it was only on form. Now we, we can announce as of today, um, it's on the Perusia On Demand platform as well. Um, and so anyone who's already a subscriber to the Perusia On Demand platform, you're actually gonna get access to this. Those who are not, I encourage you to come on, on board and, and, and have a look and you can uh, purchase it. Um, and we've really uh, looked at ways where we've made it as accessible as possible. So the videos are all up there. Um, there's also a digital version of the workbook and you can order, um, we're actually printing the workbooks as well, so people will receive a physical workbook that they can have in parish groups. And it is our, our um, wish that people take advantage of this because group studies are very powerful. Um, and you don't have to be an expert, as you say, it's all there in front of you. You just have to, you play the video, you, as long as you're open, you're reading through the, the guide, going through it as a, a discussion group, it really is a, a healthy environment to set it up in um, and uh, people, uh, can have that support. Um, 
I'm very excited about this to, because finally, I think it's been a few years now, people have asked, um, you know, trying to deal with this whole uh, area of mental health. Um, and, you know, personally, the amount of people that have come up to me um, asking for something like this, and, and now when you reached out, it was just providential. Um, I couldn't help think, God, this is a this is a hand of God <laughs> moment, and uh, and I pray that uh, this will have a, a very positive impact. Tell us about the impact it's had already, um, say in the states, and, and and any stories you've been hearing, uh, particularly with this course. Yeah, well, it's always a thrill for us when we hear about people um, using our resources mm. and and uh, lives that have been touched. I think a, a few highlights for us is. Um, First of all, what we're continually being told is there is nothing like this anywhere. That no mm. one has created anything like this uh, that allows um, groups to come together and, and discuss it in this way. Um, we've got, had groups set up literally all over the world that we've heard of, and and we we're actually just finishing off a translation into Spanish wow. um, to open up the South American audience. So that the, the first draft of the translation is complete and. We're now casting voice actors for the dubbing of the films, and um, we have a, a, a semi-famous actor doing the uh, the audio book. So that's all happening, and we'll launch that later in the year. Um, but so far, it's been amazing to see the uptake and to and to get the feedback and hear of uh, communities from all over uh, the place using this resource and and having these much-needed conversations. Yeah, excellent. I know there is, um, I mean, there is a website people can visit anyway to know more about Sanctuary. Uh, what is the website uh, people can visit to know more about what you do? Yeah, so if people go to sanctuarymentalhealth.org, um, yeah, you'll find uh, a whole load of information on there, including we have a, a blog and a podcast, and we have some other resources that are available, including some that are specifically focused around uh, COVID-19 that you can just download. Oh, okay. Um, we also have an upcoming arts project that I should definitely mention, yes. um, where we've uh, commissioned artists from around the world, including an Australian artist oh, wow. um, features in that. He's an uh, uh, Indigenous artist from Australia. Um, and we also have a, a, a Kiwi, if I'm allowed to mention the Kiwis. Yeah, of uh, course. We have a, uh, <laughs> we've just had Anzac we have a Day, so. <laughs> Oh, very good, very good. Yeah, we have a Maori artist as well. Uh, and we actually commissioned people who are representative of uh, the uh, BIPOC community, so black and indigenous mm -hmm. and persons of color community, to create pieces of art that speak about the intersection of faith, race, and mental health. So there's actually going to be an online um, exhibition that you can access. It's what you'll see it on our website, and you can actually begin to see people telling their stories of race, faith, and mental health through art, which is a whole other uh, new thing for us, but it's just helping people to have different conversations to help open this up for people who are maybe uh, more interested in the arts and interested in visual learning. So uh, that's an exciting thing that people can access on our website as well. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. I encourage everyone to visit that and we'll, we'll, get, uh, we'll get that up on the screen uh, uh, later in the show. We also want to play the trailer at some point in the show. Um, the, the, there is a trailer, video trailer that promotes the, um, the course for Catholics and that is on the uh, YouTube channel. Jess, are we, we good to show that? So, what I might do, um, Daniel, is actually we'll have our break now. We could play that trailer so people can uh, view that and, uh, and then we'll be back in the second half just to talk about um, a little bit more. I'd, I'd like to get some concrete uh, um, topics here to, to let people understand 
the gravity of this. I mean, we, we've got uh, depression, anxiety uh, that seems to be right, right throughout. And there's other sort of mental illness, uh, suicidal um, thoughts. Let's let's maybe just go into some examples of what people are suffering, um, because that just makes a bit more concrete for for the average person in the pew who actually may not be aware of how serious this problem is. But uh, I, I want to play that now, if we can, uh, the trailer for the course, the Sanctuary Mental um, Illness course. Let's do that now. I was experiencing suicidal thoughts. You know, it would be better if I wasn't here. I'm really a burden on my family and I should just go away. Heavenly Father, we come before you. who have created us in your image and likeness. I thought about dying. I just thought, what was the point? There's always something wrong with me. I can't be happy. You have made us your sons and daughters. Thoughts were going through my mind like, why are you here? What's the point? We ask you, Lord, to strengthen us in our faith. Nothing's wrong with you. You're being a little kid. You're being a baby. Get over it. Continue to pour forth your healing spirit upon those who suffer from mental illness. I was diagnosed with clinical depression. I saw that as something that was bad about me. If I just prayed hard enough and if I just did the right moves in my life, then God would take it away from me. I think as Catholics, some of us can tend to over-spiritualize things and to underestimate the human and the natural. When people might not fully understand the importance of mental health, they might say, yeah, well, maybe you just need to pray more, go to Mass more. If your faith were stronger, you wouldn't have these issues. I'm a Christian, but I'm human. And if I can be physically ill, I can be mentally ill. Too often when we're in a crisis, it feels like this is it. And if something doesn't happen right now, it will never be better. It's hard to see a way that this could be different. Hang in there, get help, because it really can be different. I look up at the cross and I see Jesus' broken body. I know that he knows my suffering. He can understand what I've been through. He can understand what I will go through. And he's there for me. There is a really profound truth that suffering unites us or pulls us closer to Christ. The connection between me and the rest of the body of Christ is real. Suffering united with the suffering of Christ actually has implications for the church. Faith is about me and God in the context of community, to be known by each other, to support each other, to help each other. In relationship, that is where profound healing takes place. We're never called by God to walk through this life alone. When there is a hand that can guide you through, through God, it will be inspiring to know that there's someone there who may be able to help you. You're not alone. That's the biggest thing I could say is, you're not alone. There you go, that's the, the trailer for the course. Um, was originally only available on Formed, uh, now it is available on Perusia On Demand, which we're very excited about. Um, look, as this has been a long time coming, especially in the Catholic uh, um, context, and I, I want to congratulate you, Daniel, for the great work there and, and the initiative to, to, to do this, to personalize it, because as you say, I mean, we do want to make sure that we are in an environment we understand and, and we, uh, we feel welcome in and we, we're, we're um, familiar with. 
Um, can this? I'm, the quality is great. I mean, the stories are so real. Um, the the videography, the cinematography, all that um, is is top notch. Um, and so it's a high quality course. Um, people are not going to be disappointed with what they see. But uh, I mean, just some of the stories there. It's so real. Uh, let's talk about um, just. Can we pick an example of just something that people may not be familiar with in the church, just to show the need of this course? Um, what, what's something, what's probably the most common um, thing uh, you could give us a concrete example of, of the most common form of mental illness that we may not even, it's right under our very nose that we see, and we might think someone's all, all together with it and they're actually suffering, we don't even realize. What would be an yeah, example? Well, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think perhaps one good thing to, to highlight is that very often when we talk about the subject of mental health, we can assume it's too easy to assume that that's speaking about those people or someone yes. else when actually the mental health conversation is about every human being. Mm -hmm. if, if there's breath in your lungs, then men, you have mental health. The question is, is your mental health flourishing or is it languishing? Um, and really the course does help to help people to grapple with that. Um, there are some people who, when they look at the course go, well, I don't need to do that. I don't have any mental health problems. Yeah. And actually, when people go through it, they begin to go, oh, hang on a minute. I can acknowledge that in certain times and phases of my life, my mental health has struggled. And, and, and in that sense, we understand that mental health is something that is moving and changing all the time, depending on our exterior circumstances, uh, what is actually happening in our lives. And, and, and that's, it's more than just what is happening. It can be related to our biomedical makeup. It can be related uh, to all kinds of situations, trauma, things that have happened to us in the past. And when we think of the pandemic, the global pandemic, you know, I know that uh, Australia has done an amazing job of, of locking down and for a, a long period of being very strict and then being able to open up again. And I know because I have family in Australia and uh, we look at their pictures on social media really enviously that you can meet together as families and be close, whereas in Vancouver, we have to be distant still. And I think the pandemic is a great example that many of us have wrestled with our own sense of mental well-being in a different way uh, since the pandemic began. Many of us have uh, found ourselves maybe feeling more anxious about things than we had before, um, about our work, about uh, uh, the safety of our children and our elderly relatives. All of these things can create anxiety that has an impact on our mental health. And of course, the way to address uh, something like anxiety uh, is it isn't a one size fits all approach. Very often it takes many different things working together, coalescing together to help restore well-being to us. And, and that can look like um, it may be medical, a medical intervention. It may be that a doctor needs to prescribe something for a season. It may be that um, talking therapy, talking to a therapist, talking to a friend. Um, being prayed for by by people um, also remembering to exercise and get your heart rate up remembering to sleep well to eat right all of these things have an impact on our sense of mental well-being and and depending on our own, the way we're made up as, a, as an individual will dictate which emphases we need to place on which which area so um, anxiety would be a very common experience particularly at the moment with the global mm -hmm. pandemic where so much is unknown where so many people are fearing for the future and wondering when will I see my family again? When will I be able to travel and visit 
I mean, I have family all over the world and I, I haven't seen them for a year and a half. And um, that that has a, a bearing on, on my own sense of well-being. And so the course opens up the subject and gives us all permission to acknowledge our own mental health journeys. And uh, listen, if it's not us today, it could be us tomorrow or next year, because mm. I've never met a human being who planned on having a mental health crisis. I never met someone who said, you know, when I turn 45, I'm going to have a, a breakdown and I'm going to be diagnosed with uh, some disorder. No one plans on it, but um, it does happen. And so we have to have a framework to understand it and understand that God is with us in the midst and God can speak through and use us even in the midst of uh, profound suffering. Yeah, well, very well said. Um, what a great point. Uh, we all got to be we're all in this together. We, we, we never know. It might happen tomorrow, but we don't plan it, as you say. Mm. Many people may not even realize. I mean, I could share something personal um, that I'm, I'm happy in this context to share. Uh, but it, I remember the first, uh, I, there was a time in my life, uh, I, and this was after my conversion. So this is now practicing my faith. This is after Perusia started um, and everything was going really well. But I actually had, for a small moment, for about two weeks, um, this this emptiness, this dryness, and and even suicidal thoughts. And uh, where did that come from? And I remember linking it to uh, one of the tools we had that we were discussing the topic of exorcism. So it was a very dark topic, and um, and you know the problem of evil in the world. And um, and it was funny. I was coming across a lot more people who were um, experiencing all sorts of things. And I think this uh, darkness came upon me, or something like that. And for two weeks, even though Things were going really well uh, with my family. Uh, you know, baby three was born and things were going well. Uh, we, life was good. Um, but I remember driving on the way to work and just this thought of I could, I could just run into that truck right now and just end it right now for no reason. And I thought, I, need, I know better than that. I know not to, that's not, that's not me. But uh, for some reason, these, these thoughts came for two weeks and I think God allowed me to go through that little bit of suffering for two weeks to, to understand how serious this can be and it can get the best of us. And um, we may think we're immune to it all, but no, there's, there's, there's certainly, um, uh, you know, this can happen to any one of us. And, and I think it happened again six months later. Uh, and this was another time in life where things were going really well. But for two weeks, there was this emptiness, there was dryness. And I just, although, you know, my children were having fun, my wife was... Everyone was in a good mood. Everyone was, was fine. I just was not joyful in any way, happy. And it was just, I couldn't celebrate with them. I couldn't. It was just another two weeks. I remember distinctly, it was the same year for two weeks on two different occasions, six months apart. And I could pinpoint uh, when it happened. Um, and, and thanks be to God, you know, thanks to, to my faith, it gave me um, that motivation and, that, and, and the tools I needed then and the support I needed. But, uh, you know, if I didn't have any support, I don't know what I would have done, I mean, at the time. Um, and so that's something that I don't really share often. But, um, yeah, I just thought it, it can happen to any one of us. And that, that was, yeah. we're going back 10 years now. But, um, you know, I think uh, on, in small in, in times during your life, you know, it can happen as well. Just maybe for, for, for a moment, it could be like for a day or a couple of days. And you might be like, wow. And, and you can have these moments where you could you could do bad decisions, have make bad decisions during the lowest parts of your life, and so it is something that is um, needs to be understood a lot more. Um, and and we're not to judge people. I think uh, we we can be quick to judge people's actions, 
and um, and not realize what they're going through mentally. Um, and how often do we, as Christians as well, um, we, we may be quick to condemn people uh, for what they've done, but we have absolutely no idea what they're going through on the inside. Um, I mean, how common is that among Christians? What, what can we be doing better as the body of Christ? Yeah, well, I, I mean, first of all, let me thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that. I think that's a real gift for the people listening because um, you're absolutely right. This is, this is something any of us can experience. And, you know, one tendency, I don't mean to generalize, but among Christians who are trying to um, live out a triumphant life mm-hmm. and uh, a tendency can be to be quite reductionistic with, with a subject like mental illness, to just simply say, you know, um, you need to be more spiritual. You need to somehow summon your spiritual energy. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, I remember I, my old, uh, I, I've done a couple of theology degrees, but my old New Testament professor once said to me, um, uh, and I'm using quotation marks for those who are listening and not watching. He <laughs> says, uh, many, many demons have been cast out with a good night's sleep and a proper meal. And, um, uh, and I mean that quite half facetiously, but the point is there are very practical things we need to function as human beings. God's made us that way. We need good nutrition. We need rest. And very often at a point of uh, emptiness, maybe when we've been through a really busy season, there can be this feeling of numbness, this mm. feeling of, mm. I just don't, it's like anti-feeling. And, and really that is depression. Uh, it doesn't mean it's clinical depression, but depression is is not feeling. Depression isn't sadness. It's it's numbness. It's a, it, a sense in which, you know, and there's a difference between clinical depression and more like circumstantial depression. And, and all of us probably experience those feelings on some level at some point in our lives, even if it's just for a moment or for an afternoon because of a situation. But uh, the point is, as spiritual people who believe in God, we, of course, believe in a spiritual reality. We, of course, bring our whole selves into the light of who God is and the work of his spirit. But we also need to understand we are made biologically and God has made us this way. And we need to rest and we need to recuperate after busy seasons and we need to listen to our bodies. So, so when you felt those feelings as you were driving, it says something's not right. Mm. I need to, I need to change some things. Maybe I need to rest. Maybe I need to talk to someone about this, which is a great thing to do. But if you're feeling scared because you say, well, people will judge me or condemn me or tell me that my faith isn't strong enough, you might not tell someone. And, and that is the beginning of isolating and compounding the problem so that it doesn't just become a phase, a difficult phase. It can become a much longer experience and it can become a lifetime and and listen it's not an easy subject to talk about i'm glad you brought up suicidal ideation because suicide is a very real thing and it's something we need to talk about and it's okay mm. to talk about it because um again the, the time when our organization is reached out to from faith communities is normally when something's happened that's right when 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 something terrible's happened and we're always there to talk and to help and equip and support, but we need to talk about it now so that we're not being called after the event, but we're able to begin to open this up and let people know that it's okay. God is with them and, and a community is with them to offer them help and support and strengthening along the way. I mean, on the, thank you, the topic of suicide, do we have any uh, statistics of, of, of that uh, or comparisons of, um, you know, I, I understand that in, Developed world countries, uh, developed countries that is actually higher than the developing world, the third world, 
um, which is fascinating because you think um, uh, we need to help the third world, right? And we might be thinking we've got it all. We've got a comfortable life. We've got running yeah. water. We've got electricity. Everything is, is, is hygienically clean. And then you go to the third world, um, you know, it's dirty and it, it, we need to help them. But uh, there's something that we're probably missing here and it's this idea of um, our purpose. And, and sometimes it, we're very distracted in, in, in a developed world. Um, we're putting out pressures on our own selves and we're trying to live up to some sort of ideal and uh, we fall yeah. short. And, and suicidal thoughts seem to be, and suicide in general, is higher in the developed countries than the, than the third world country. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's really, it's really interesting. And I, I, I haven't seen the research, so I am only speculating here, yeah. but I think, um, it, and I have no reason to not believe those statistics that yeah. in some ways, sadly, they don't surprise me if, you know, um, I'd have to see the research, but my feeling is, um, purpose is critical. Mm. And, um, in many majority world cultures, it's funny, my second master's degree in, in theology was looking at majority world theological perspectives and how, a theology of mental health actually fits better in many majority world perspectives because many majority world cultures have this idea that community and relationship is where I find myself. Whereas in the West, we tend to have individualism. Mm. So our, in the West, our vision of purpose of human life implicitly in our culture is to be independent. A, a successful person is an independent person. Whereas actually, I think the biblical call is not independence, but interdependence, to be dependent upon one another, to be knitted together in a community with God as 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 Father, with God as Father, with the work of the Spirit and the Son that, that mm. leads us to a place of relationship and connectedness where we're seen by each other and we're seen and held by God. But our Western culture is seems to be fixated on this idea of of uh, independence and actually in an independent place in a place of isolation we are more prone to suffering with mental health challenges and and the research that that we do have around people who have survived um uh, suicide attempts is that the act of suicide is not a selfish act that's a, that's a narrative we've told ourselves in, in in society it's not so much a selfish act but it's an act of desperation. It's an act of exhaustion. It's because of a person is so tired of trying to live. It's just so tiring to live. Mm. The only way they can find rest, it's thought in that moment of desperation is to end their lives. And, and the tragedy of that is that, um, and I can only say this anecdotally, is many people, uh, and it feels like it's happening more tragically and, and, the, and, not, and the church is not exempt, but many people, um, just do this they reach a point of desperation they don't tell anyone and and you know i think uh that's that's the tragedy right if someone can find the bravery to say i'm experiencing this uh, for me my experience of the church is you're going to have a whole family of people who are going to look them in the eye and say i love you i value you i believe there's more for you and i want to support you and and that can be the strength that someone needs to keep going and to and to get help and, and get through that difficult phase. Yeah, very, very important. Uh, well said. I understand that those who have overcome uh, suicidal uh, thoughts, many of, of uh, the reasoning is they had someone there in support. They had someone there that was willing to listen to them, that wasn't going to judge them, that was going to be there for them. Um, and, uh, and it leads me to a question just for the for those watching and listening. Are there any warning signs? Are there anything that you know? parents probably wondering, 
the teenage uh, children, uh, where are they at mentally? Um, there, there, there'll be um, husbands and wives, uh, what, where, are their spouse, where is their spouse at? Uh, there'll be just uh, any, anyone watching right now, individuals um, feel alone, uh, this loneliness. Are, are there signs, I guess, that we can identify in our loved ones, and then are there signs that we can identify in ourselves? So where could we start? Are there any, is there any sort of signs that we could, you could point us to that, mm. that gives us, how do we know, or what, prepare ourselves to before it's too late um, yeah any tips i mean i i'm i'm not a clinical expert okay. but i know a lot of people who are and i <laughs> and i pick up on things and i've been to some trainings but um very often some things some some things that i know of that you can look for are like um personal hygiene um you know are there are there things you're overlooking are there things you're not doing that you would normally do um habits uh, you know, are there noticeable uh, changes in in, in um, things you would normally do daily, just as part of like brushing your teeth and things like that? Are those things, are you not doing those things? Um, so I think there are practical things you can look for. But uh, in truth, you know, mental health is such a all-encompassing and, and broad subject. Um, it's hard to apply general rules but but what i can say and what i know is true from the research is that to talk about a subject like suicide there's often this fear that well if i talk about it or put the thought in someone's mind they may act on it and the research shows the opposite is true mm. if if you talk about it if you say if someone comes to you and says hey i'm feeling really down at the moment i may be feeling a bit of depression for you for for you to say to them have you had suicidal thoughts is not something that's only going to help them because it normalizes what they might be feeling. And, and of course they could turn around and say, well, no, I'm not, or they might be offended, but you could just say, I'm so sorry. I just wanted to check because there's mm -hmm. no shame from, from my perspective. So I think if there's anything you notice, if there's any doubt, just, just try and talk about it and normalize the conversation. And, um, you know, there are many, many people who are going through this and many people who have come through these kinds of situations. So, um, yeah, I just think it's important we find a way to normalize the conversation and, and get it into the open where yeah. we can begin to process it. That's a great point. Um, yeah, we, we do need to, to, to be uh, checking in, I think, constantly. As the body of Christ, we want to be doing that uh, with our fellow uh, brothers and sisters in the Lord. We want to be checking in how they're doing uh, and, and, and getting to a stage where that relationship is, is close enough and strong enough and, and comfortable enough. We, we shouldn't be afraid to address these areas and simply ask questions and and just yeah constantly doing i think it's our duty right as christians we need to be uh, looking out for each other but also um it's not always about being preached at <laughs> or being told yeah. what you're doing but just listening um and and i know that listening is probably more powerful uh than than being told uh something so we we i think we need to be um as a church as as the body of christ more of a listening to each other um and, and so we need to be there for each other supporting each other and of course, praying for each other. I mean, so there is the spiritual element, and and maybe as we we got these last five minutes together, um, the important role on the spiritual sense. Now we are body and soul, and and so I know in some cases there are there are um, there are spiritual um, attacks, and, and and that's in the realm that the priest can address. Um, but there are also mental uh, that are clinically uh, diagnosed and, and and can be a problem. So we need to differentiate. Um, and sometimes it's a bit of both. So we have to uh, to, to look at that and be very quick um, 
don't be too quick to judge uh, that it, oh, this is all from the devil or this is all uh, this has got nothing to do with the spiritual life. Sometimes we can take two extremes. Um, the role of our faith, and, and maybe in these last few minutes, um, what, can you just maybe emphasize the importance of, of our Christian faith uh, in this space and, and, and finding that health balance spiritually and mentally? Yeah, very good. Well, you know, historically, um, medical science has talked about human beings as being um, biopsychosocial, biological, psychological, and social. Um, but in recent years, even sort of secular research um, has incorporated spirituality into that. So the, the biopsychosocial model has become a biopsychosocial spiritual model, which is really important. Uh, the challenge is that for many people in the mainstream, spiritual, you kind of have to ask, well, what do you mean by spiritual? Um, for, for me, as a Christian, as a person of faith, when I talk about spirituality, I, I'm talking about like walking with god that yes. picture we have in the in the genesis um narrative of god walking with uh with with those who are made in his image walking in relationship so um as christians with a long tradition i think we're talking about uh, a living relationship with the living god and and to live in a way that walks with him so every aspect of our lives is is in incorporated into that relationship there's there's no aspect of who we are as human beings that should be hidden from god um and god has made us to be biological psychological social and spiritual and i would suggest each of those aspects of our personhood interrelate mm -hmm. um it's like i said if 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 you were deprived of sleep for a week trust me your spiritual life is going to be suffering so yeah. and similarly if you if you have a really rich and vibrant spiritual life you're bio psycho social self will be enhanced so there is this sense in which we're interrelationally connected as as human beings and and that's just how god's made us and and as you said it's hard sometimes we want to talk about these in silos we want to go you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm doing my exercise which is good for me biologically and um you know i'm i'm going to uh, mass which is attending to my spiritual life but actually, you know, sometimes doing exercise can be like a spiritual experience. I mean, God could be with you in, in the gyms or going for a walk. or So um, I think we need to understand that, that it isn't as simple as neat silos, which isn't to say we don't enjoy each of those areas of our personhood, but they are connected and they are related. And so uh, spirituality is absolutely part of the deal. But if ever we reduce it to one of those aspects, if, if ever we think, well, I'm just going to send this friend who's who's experiencing depression to the doctor and the doctor will fix them. If mm. ever we think that we've missed it, that's we are not biomedical problems to be fixed. We are human beings made in God's image, mm. biopsychosocial spiritual beings. And um, it's not just about seeing the doctor. It is seeing the doctor, but it's also praying. It's also nutrition. It's also sleep. It's also medication therapy it's all of these things and if we have all of these things to bear even people with a diagnosed mental illness can experience well-being if they have all of these different things in place and, and a really key part of that is having a spiritual community who they can talk about their experiences with who they, get, they can get prayed for and um yeah open it up to their spiritual life as well yeah brilliant love it it's a package deal isn't it to be human it's body and soul it's the whole person to make up our personhood very well said. I, I want to thank you, um, Daniel. Uh, very exciting. Congratulations again on this course. Um, uh, just again, uh, your website again, just for those uh, watching and listening, uh, they can visit to know more about what you do. 
Yeah, it's sanctuarymentalhealth.org. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So look us up there too. Excellent. And the course as well, um, uh, which is now available on Perusia On Demand. I might, um, as I've got Jess, as we close here, Jess, uh, people might be wondering, how do I get on? So here's what we're going to do right now, a very quick live demo. You go to perusiamedia.com. So everyone right now, if you're watching this, you can see our main homepage. And that's where pretty much everything is. And from there, I'm going to guide you as to where to go. So once you're on the homepage, um, you will click on the heading there, on-demand video, right up there in the menu, right at the top. And you click on on-demand. And once you're at the top there, you'll go to Perusia on-demand. As you scroll down, you can actually see um, as some of the, the, the different catalogs. So right there, you'll see that the Sanctuary Mental Health course is right there. If you scroll down, Jess, just for me, um, and people will be able to see um, the different different products. That's everything is right there. But if you want to click on uh, catalog at the top, you can see everything. So it opens up at the bottom there. So you've got two ways. Once you're in, and then as you can see on the first first box on the left, it's right there. Um, the very first one, multi video series, and and the Sanctuary Mental Health course is there, available right now. Um, uh, on Perusia On Demand, so I encourage you all to go there. You just um, you click on Get Access and then you um, you purchase it and then you'll get access to all the videos as well as a digital download. So um, very, very affordable, $79. Then you get the eight videos as well as a, we're gonna send you out um, a physical workbook as well with that, that purchase. So take advantage of that. Very exciting. So thank you. We are out of time. Um, Daniel, I want to thank you again for joining us. Uh, we have now launched the course. It's available now. Let's pray that people take advantage of this and um, we'll be in touch. Love to get you on again sometime and, um, and, and see if we can, we can uh, report back and see the results and, and I guess see the impact this is having. Um, so please pray for us down under and uh, we're praying for you up north. Thank you, Charbel. It is a real thrill for us to know that people in Australia are using our course. So we're very excited. Thank you for all your work and your team's work in making it happen as well. Our, our absolute pleasure. So thank you again. Um, and I want to thank all of you watching and, uh, and uh, listening. Uh, that's another Perusia podcast. I'm Charbel Raish. Visit us at the website perusiamedia.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Subscribe and, um, to the uh, the podcast itself and, and you'll be able to get updates on all of the shows. Thanks again and God bless.